Hello and welcome back to Little MB. Before we get started, remember to subscribe on whatever platform you're using. Click on your notifications. So, because everybody that listens to this knows I'm not exactly scheduled on here as far as I do stuff as it comes up. So, and share it. All that be much appreciated. So this is kind of like the last episode I did on In Order to Live, which was a book by Yonmi Parks. It's a book review, and it's a fictional one, fictional book too, but it was historical fiction by John Jakes called North and South. And it's a trilogy. And first book is the Annabellum era, before the Civil War. Second book, Civil War. Third book is After. And as far as the book itself, it's phenomenal. Phenomenal story. The first two books are amazing. I feel he fell apart toward the end of the third book. Some of the stuff at the end was just ridiculous. It's almost like he felt like he painted himself into a corner and didn't know how to get out of it. And so he just came up with a simple solution. It's like, okay, this is what happened. And a lot of it's just ridiculous at the end. I'm sorry, but it it is. Now, the premise of the book, of this trilogy, is in 1842, these two guys meet. Now, back in the day, you could get an appointment to West Point Military Academy at the age of 16. So there were people who graduated from Harvard and Yale at the ages of like 20, 21. You know, it's it wasn't like now where you're going to be a minimum of 22 years old before you graduate college. Things were much different back then. But these two guys meet at the dock to get on a boat and go to West Point together. And they become friends. One of them is from South Carolina and is part of a family that owns a plantation and 150 slaves. The other guy is from Pennsylvania. Free State. And... They do a real good job of, he does a real good job of how they become friends and occasionally they have disagreements in regard to owning slaves. And Jakes does an amazing job in this trilogy when it comes to assumptions people make. Like, people in the North assume Southerners are a certain way just because they own slaves. And Southerners make assumptions about Northerners. And a lot of Southerners become violently defensive of slavery, not necessarily because they agree with it, but it's one of those things, if somebody starts attacking you, Instead of just approaching you about something and saying, hey man, 
let's talk about this. If, if somebody does that, you're going to be like, all right, let's talk. But if somebody just comes up and says, hey, you're a piece of shit, you're going to get defensive. You're going to tune them out. You're going to stand your ground. You're going to dig your heels in. And that's what took place in a lot of situations leading up to the Civil War. There were a lot of Southerners against the idea of secession because, and I've talked about these things before I even read this. And once again, it's historical fiction. Now, his history was amazing. The historical aspect was pretty amazing. But I've talked about this before. The reason the North won is because population difference and because of industrial difference. The South was agriculture. <laughs> it didn't have any factories of its own. It didn't have any industry. It relied upon the North and England for its manufactured goods. So unless they were able to end the war in a year or two, they were going to be screwed. And it should have ended sooner if it wasn't for the fact England stepped in and was helping. Because England wanted that cotton and tobacco. But a lot of Southerners didn't want the secession because they understood this. But then again, the way they got attacked by the North, they felt like they were forced into a position in which they had to stand up for themselves, stand up for their rights. And it's the reason I'm talking so much about these things is because it's what's going on in this country today. This idea of not being able to talk and discuss things. And you might think that I'm overreacting or being a fear monger, but I'm, I'm not. I'm afraid of what's going to happen. I'm afraid there's going to be a civil war again in this country because of this type of behavior between people. And I believe our politicians are fueling it. They want us to be divided. So we aren't paying attention to them. But people have gotten so extreme. They've gotten so extreme. The same people that used to speak out against the death penalty, because it's just not right to kill anybody no matter what, are the same people that say people should be killed if they don't accept transgenders and if they don't accept all their pronouns and this, that, and the other thing. You know, it's, a, it's become extremism. And what happens? You get people on the other side getting just as extreme. They can say what they want about Roe v. Wade. I've made it clear that I don't agree with abortion. You know, once again, any new listeners, I, likewise, I would not stand and tell a woman who's been raped that she shouldn't get an abortion. I'm more than willing to make that exception. 
I'm not going to sit and judge women who use it for birth control because the overwhelming majority, according to the statistical information available, that's what they're doing. The overwhelming majority is birth control. I don't agree with that. However, I'm not going to, it's not worth fighting over to me. I've got my own sins to worry about. And the fact is, there was no call for Roe v. Wade to even get brought up. But it's, it's a reaction. Something that I have predicted. Not specifically with Roe v. Wade, but I've predicted the fact that the pendulum effect. They're going to push so far that people aren't going to take it and they're going to push hard. And they're, they're pushing back and they're pushing hard. And they're going to push it as far as they can. It's creating a ton of hatred is what it's doing. Now, obviously, this isn't everybody in the country, but it doesn't take everybody in the country to cause a major issue. And divisions have been being created for the past two or three decades. It was something that was coming on slow for a while. And then it kind of peter out. This is back in the 90s. But then due to the internet, it was allowed to speed up. And it has sped up massively. Since the introduction of the internet. Due to social media. And it's just so much easier for people to sit and hate. But it's... I don't know. The books are amazing because it puts you in a... It shows you a situation in which... Some of the southerners realize... You know what? We shouldn't have slaves. This isn't right. But damn you for your judgment on me. I'm going to fight. A lot of Southerners weren't fighting for slavery. They were fighting for their home state. They were fighting for their home place. They were fighting for their family. Because it was under attack by the North and Northerners. And what was interesting... Another thing that John Jakes nailed with this is the Northerners themselves. Because once the war was finished, as far as white people were concerned, they're like, okay, they're free. And then there were they were called black Republicans. They were radicals. Because they didn't just want blacks to be free. They wanted them to be equal. They wanted them to be allowed to vote. They wanted them to have access to education and everything else. And even white people in the North were like, well, hold on, let's not be too rash. You know, you found out where they really stood when it came to race. Because a lot of them, the overwhelming majority of Northerners, they weren't for blacks being equal. They wanted to send blacks back to Liberia, which I think was the 1840s when that colony was established. 
where Africans could be uh, former slaves, freedmen, could be sent to Africa for this colony called Liberia that still exists today. And there was also an island or two in Central America slash South America in that region where they wanted to send black people. They wanted them to be free. It was, it was not right, but by God, they weren't equal. And don't you dare say so. They were afraid blacks are going to take our jobs. You know, it's kind of like the Mexican thing with illegal immigration, which in a sense is a little bit different because it's illegal immigration. However, the overwhelming majority of jobs that illegal immigrants get is crap that nobody in America wants. But we'll, we'll skip over that. It's just, I don't know, it's interesting, interesting because of the hypocrisy on both sides. And it's interesting because of what we have today. It's the same thing. It's the same thing going on with the people now. When you allow... Me as a man who identifies as a man, if I go out and whip my dick in front of a bunch of kindergartners, my ass becomes a sex offender. But if I put on a dress and do it, it's educational. I thought, even at the time I thought, I was too young for such a sex education. I got sex education... When I was 10 years old, the school year was 90 to 91. They had people come in from the hospital. They split the boys and girls up. And there were male nurses teaching the guys and female nurses teaching the girls. I thought that was too young. But it's like, you know what? All right, whatever. But pushing it now to even younger, to like 7-year-olds and 8-year-olds is insanity. The type of books that are being allowed in the libraries at these schools with these kids, with photographic examples of how to give head. It's insanity. And what do you think people are going to do? They aren't going to just stand and take it. You've got a group of people who, there's always outliers. There's always outliers. So don't say, well, some up. There's plenty of people. Yeah, I understand there's outliers. But you've got a group of people who, when it comes down to it, don't really give two shits if you're trans or not. But you're pushing those people into speaking out. Because they don't want their kids to be exposed to that. And those kids shouldn't be exposed to that. It's not educational. It's depravity. Plain and simple. And see, I'm of the mindset that if you disagree with that standpoint, fine. But I think you should be snipped to where you can't breathe. Because I don't want any more of you in this world. Pretty extreme, right? Of course it is. 
But I can't say that's not what's going through my mind when I start hearing people say that it should be allowed to be taught to our kids. No different than that dude in the rainbow, dressing up like a rainbow-colored dildo in England. I think it was at a library or something with a bunch of five-year-olds. That dude should have been castrated, along with the people who allowed it. So they couldn't breed. I think one thing we could do to resolve some of this is... There's no more transgender, transsexual or nothing. Leah Thomas, you, you want to compete as a woman? Fine. You're going in and you're getting the procedure done. Let's see how long Leah Thomas wants to compete in women's swimming. Just because he's not good enough to compete against men. Something tells me the overwhelming majority of these so-called trans people, because there are trans people out there, you know, and they're the ones suffering because of this crap. They're, they're the ones suffering. You got your Blair Whites out there, and that dude is suffering. That dude's suffering because of the bullshit going on. Because I refuse, it's gotten so extreme, I refuse to refer to Blair White as a woman. And I don't think Blair White's the kind of person who actually cares. I, I don't think he really cares. But just in general, I've put my foot down when it comes to that. The crap needs to stop. Because if it doesn't, like I said, if we can't have a middle ground somewhere... It is going to get to the extremes. And like with the Civil War, you're going to have somebody who is your best friend on the opposite side of that battlefield. You're going to have family on the opposite side. And that's what it's going to end up being. And war... Brings out the worst in people. It you have to be savage to make it through war. You don't get to go to war and be a nice guy. You go to war because you have to kill. It turns people into savages. And some people it turns them more into savages than others. Meaning just because you're a savage and you're a killing machine doesn't mean you're a rapist and you're going to go rape civilians. <laughs> However, it does bring that out in certain people. Like it or not, it does. And as far as foreign nations are concerned, if and when this happens, they're going to sit back and watch. They're going to fuel the fire. Nations like Russia and China, they are going to be arming both sides. They aren't going to care who wins because when the smoke clears, they're just going to move in and take over. 
And then guess what? You're going to be living by their rule. It takes a tragedy to bring people together. And sadly, that's what we're needing right now. We're needing a tragedy. A massive tragedy. Over 80% of the population in the U.S. came together after 9-11. Ready to kick the shit out of anybody and everybody who was involved and who we thought was involved with 9-11. We need another tragedy like that, sad to say. And we need it before things come, people come to blows in this country, because it's going to happen. And I mean, I already know the outcome. The left-wing people, they're going to lose. If it's allowed to go on until somebody wins and somebody loses, left-wingers are going to lose. Because this whole time, it's been right-wingers that have been buying guns, stockpiling ammo, just sitting and chilling. And they're not going to have any issues We've taken other people out. It's, they're going to have zero issue with it. The way they're going to see it is they're taking their country back. Now, the books are long. I'd still suggest getting them. And you, The audio is not cheap. It's $35 for each audio book. That being said, all three books combined are a little over 100 hours. And the narrator is Grover Gardner. I've talked about him before. He's phenomenal. He's great. But get it and listen to it. It's not just a great story. Like I said, the historical fiction, it's amazing because the history in it is spot on with a lot of stuff. With almost everything. I don't know how many mistakes he actually made, but I don't think he made many. And what's, what's cool, too is he, he's got an afterword after each book where he gives his thoughts and opinions on certain things, but <laughs> he tries to focus more on the battles nobody else talks about. Because like he said, he didn't want somebody to read it and say, oh, another Gettysburg. You know, so the, that's one cool thing about it is he touches on the other battles that take place. And he also talks about like one of the main characters is a scout another word one's an engineer and it talks about what they went through so it's not just big military decisions and men charging men with bayonets fixed you know he, he talks about the stuff you normally don't hear about so that's pretty cool and the guy did his research he definitely did his research it's a good story it's got great history in it, but pay attention to what goes on. As far as the people from the South and their reaction to stuff, the people from the North and their reaction to stuff. 
I mean, it's, it's terrifying. It's really terrifying because you, you see the same crap going on today. And then the end of the war brought extremists out on both sides. There were extremists in the beginning. Some of the moderate people became extremists at the end. Because of different things that occurred. Losing family members or friends. Whatever. But it's something people really need to think about. I know I... The thing, I guess... For me, this is something I've been talking about nonstop since I started this podcast and even before. And that's why, as long as it is, and as horrible as the ending is at the end of the third book, I just, like I said, I just think he did the piss-poor job wrapping everything up. Some things he just went on too long with, and other things it's just like, yeah, whatever, dude. But he really captured the interaction between people. Like I said, a lot of Southerners did not want secession. They thought the people crying out for secession were being too extreme. But finally, the extremists from the other side pushed them into a point. They're like, you know what? Fine. Let's do this. If you read those books, you're going to see... You're going to see the same similarities going on today in this country. And it's going to be on a much more massive scale. Like, now I'm going by the numbers he gave in this book. And maybe I'm wrong for doing so. But once again, he was spot on with the overwhelming majority of his history. But according to this, there was 22 million people in the North and 9 million people in the South. One of the reasons why the North was able to win. They could just keep feeding people to the battlefield. And that's what Grant did. It wasn't superior military tactics. He just kept feeding people to the meat grinder until the numbers overwhelmed the South. Plain and simple. But think about that. Total of 31 million people in this country at the time. And guess what? By the end, or by like today's standards, we got over 10 times that number of people. So if you want to stick with the same numbers and percentages, you're looking at over... We'd be lucky, lucky, if we only lost 6 million people in a civil war today. Be damn lucky if that's all we lost. But we need to become more moderate with each other. We need to be able to talk. We need to push extreme stuff just out of the question. Like if it's extreme, like teaching sex to eight-year-olds, letting eight-year-olds decide if they're a boy or a girl, we need to get rid of that crap. And there's some stuff on the right that we need to get rid of as well.
There's that old saying, fight fire with fire, and it's for a reason. It's because that's what people do. And a lot of times that's what you have to do. You can't talk reason to crazy people. And the thing is, is the majority of the people in this country, I believe, are actually toward the middle. The people are being pushed into a decision one side or the other, one extreme or the other. And so extremes are creating other extremes. Kind of scary to me. But, well, that's pretty much all I got. Like I said, get the books. At least get the first one and check it out. I know it's long. Over 30 hours on the first book itself for the audio book. But I, I'll be surprised if you ain't hooked and don't get the second and third book afterwards. But any questions, comments, concerns, hit me up, littlemb6580 at gmail.com. That's L-A-T-T-L-E. Amazon Mike, Bison Bravo, 6580 at gmail.com. Till next time, y'all take care. <laughs>